1: Money starts right now, live from the Nasdaq market Site, overlooking New York City's Times Square. I'm Melissa Lear. Traders on the desk are Dan Nathan, Brian Kelly, Karen Feinerman, and Guy Dami. Tonight on Fast, a top strategist on Wall Street says we are enduring post-traumatic volatility disorder. But he says that's what makes it the perfect time to buy this dip. He'll be here to explain why. Plus, is the potpocalypse. Weed stocks are getting crushed today, and our own cannabis king is hitting the ground to find out what is causing this hot trade to cool off. But first, don't look now, but tech stocks are soaring. The Nasdaq jumping today, even as the broader market remained under pressure, but it all comes down to a matter of trust. It is the busiest week for earnings, and a number of the Nasdaq's biggest players are in the spotlight. Microsoft, Amazon, Alphabet, Intel, Visa, all on deck to report this week. No doubt investors will be hanging on every word as many of these names have started rolling over this month. So despite the action we've seen in these stocks... Can you trust in tech to get the rally back on track, Guy? That's one of the
2: worst Billy Joel songs.
1: I agree. I concur for once.
2: Ding. You hear the ding? But
1: putting that aside.
2: But, but, and we needed a matter of trust song. Exactly. So they, they, the trust they, they got lazy. songs. Trust they you. Did. Google that. That's what comes up. Been. Plenty what can we trust in tech? I'm not necessarily sure we can trust in tech, and if you're banking that the market's going to renew this rally based on earnings over the next couple weeks, I think you're probably swimming in the deep end of the pool. I think the one that sets up the most interesting for me is Intel. Why? Intel went from 45 basically to 58, round tripped it. Here we are at 45 again. Valuation is interesting. They report in a couple days. I think the most important one, in my opinion, is Facebook on October 30th, and we know that story. Microsoft is the wild card, why? Because this quarter's gonna be great, Mm -hmm. is valuation gonna finally be a concern? Because at 22 times forward earnings in this environment, Microsoft, giving their EPS growth, might be a little bit rich.
1: But you think Intel will do well because it went down into earnings.
2: I think Intel sets up well into earnings because of the move with the precipitous drop we've seen, by the way, for the right reasons, from 58 down to 45. I think, as a trade, to me, Intel sets up the most, the best out of all of them.
3: Yeah, you're probably watching Facebook very carefully. Yes, Facebook very carefully, although Alphabet is my biggest position, mm-hmm. so watching that as well. I think Alphabet and Amazon both, I think, on Thursday... Thursday. Facebook, though, I mean, there's a lot of idiosyncratic elements to Facebook, probably more even than the the business in general. So um, I I disagree that's the most important one. I mean, Intel, I think, very important. I mean, we've seen, God, the the, uh, semiconductor space is... Awful. You know how the guy
4: the producer's were a little lazy with the choice of that song? I think he was a little lazy with the Why? choice of Intel and Facebook. And Dance like, coming out. Yeah. Well, I mean, seriously. Okay, it's, so not not it's Microsoft, it's Apple, it's okay. Google, and it's Amazon. Those four. Those are the only ones that matter. When you think about all the sectors that act so poorly, even the ones that have already reported, even though that we all agree that the bank stocks had good results and stuff like that, well, the XLS down on the year. It had its lowest close of 2018 today those four stocks I mentioned they're gonna dictate how the market trades
5: for the next couple months in my opinion well I mean look at we have this thing did tech soar today we barely broke last week's range yeah. I mean there's no signal in this move today whatsoever so I don't think you can so look relative at relative
1: outperformance Re- is to be discounted in this yes yeah,
5: yeah absolutely I mean we look just look at a chart we didn't even break last week's range on the high or the low at the end of the day these things faded I would not be looking. I mean, maybe earnings sparks the rally, but I don't think you have to get into them ahead of time. And what we've seen from every other company is warnings about the future or disappointments about guidance.
1: Uh, you know, keying off of what Dan said about XLF and the banks, they traded terribly today, yeah. right? Pretty much closed yes. at session lows, relative underperformance despite pretty good earnings. We saw Netflix. What did they have? They had a good quarter. What happened to them? What? They're below their levels. Yeah. To be into earnings. So
2: can Isn't same that thing going happen? to be the play
1: but going into this? what what makes these stocks different?
2: Nothing makes them necessarily different. What makes them different in my opinion is some of the moves we've seen to the downside and some of the names. And Intel, it's not part of MAGA because there's no I in MAGA. Magi. I can do right. that spelling. Dance. Mangia? No. no. Yeah.
1: I think I kind of nailed the no acronym. No no no. I like it. Yeah. Like, I'm thing. some hats or something.
2: But I did mention Microsoft. And I think Microsoft would be a concern because although I think the quarter is going to be fine, I think people are going to now be focused on valuation. Why I think Facebook is the most important is because of the huge drop that we've seen from that 204 level a few months ago to where we're currently trading. The stock basically hasn't bounced until recently off that 150 level. If it gives up the ghost on earnings on October 30th, no pun intended, then that could be the next catalyst down for the broader market, in my
5: opinion.
1: But basically, all we're talking about here is a setup going in. What the valuation yeah. is going in and whether
5: or not it's not to hold up right. to hold up this valuation. I, I would change my cautious view if over the next few days we had a big sell-off. Then I think then these things are poised poised for a pop. But since we didn't we haven't done anything in a couple days, I think you have to wait. I think it's a
4: tradable pop. The lower they go into it, the way they can come out of it. But I think it's really important to see how a lot of other sectors that did have good uh, news the way that they traded, they were a source of funds. And I, I just like listen, I can go down to a list. Look at the way small caps closed today, okay? Look at the way yep. materials closed today. Look at the way industrial is closed today. Obviously, we just mentioned the banks. I mean, you can keep on going. The only things that were green on my screen were stocks that were high valuation tech. So you have low valuation on the other side that trades horrible. You have high valuation tech that's being a little bit re-rated right now. And they may have a short-term pop. But I'm not certain, without really strong forward guidance, that we are going to see the sort of pickup that you would expect into the end of the year to get a strong close. And it's really important to remember, the s and up 3% of the year. It's down about 6% from its recent highs, the Nasdaq massively outperforms, and it outperforms because of MAGA. Amazon's still up 50% of the year. Microsoft's still up 27% of the year. Apple's still up 30% of the year. If those stocks, uh, and uh, I'm forgetting, oh, and Google, which is not up a lot, What's if that, those uh, it's four stocks...
3: one of the A's in
4: MAGA. <laughs> yeah, yeah, whatever you want. If they go down <laughs> together over the next couple of weeks, the whole market's going much lower. It's just that simple. And if they go up... Well, if they go up, you know what? Today's a great example. The S&P closed down the day. So I think that all this talk about rotation, we're seeing too many economically sensitive groups act very,
2: very poorly.
1: I mean, financials, industrials. Listen, Dan's been on on the negative
2: financial run, and he's been spot on. It's very hard to sit here. At a certain point, you have to say, or at least I have to say, As much as i like to believe in it, as much as they might make sense in terms of the valuations that I give, stocks trade awful. So at a certain point, you're wrong. And that point is we're basically right there in terms of the... Specifically, by the way, Goldman Sachs and Morgan Stanley have been, just been abominations.
5: What concerns me is the the narrative of the slowing economy that's going on out there. Goldman Sachs had one of their uh, indicators out today that leads ISM. We saw that turn down. We saw Chicago Fed National Activity Ag- Index turn down uh, over the last couple months. Those tend to lead. So what I'm concerned about is that market participants are starting to price in this slow economy, and it really doesn't matter what earnings do. All
1: right. Well, our next guest is out with a fresh note today. He says the markets are experiencing... Experiencing what he calls post-traumatic volatility disorder. While that sounds scary, it could actually be your best chance to buy. Let's bring in Jonathan Golub, the chief U.S. equity strategist for Credit Suisse. Jonathan, good to have you with us. Good to be here. What exactly is this PTV? <laughs> yeah, PTV, yeah. <laughs> um, I
6: mean, bottom line is if you have a you know a spike in volatility that you can't explain with a piece of news flow, you know, basically the market pops back unless you have something really broken. So we looked at in this report we had out this morning and we said, is there a liquidity problem across markets? No. Is the volatility is a pop in the VIX showing up in volatility in currencies and commodities and, and fixed income markets? No. Are we seeing earnings disappointments? And I know you talked about you know, earnings prehouncers. We're hearing chatter from CEOs that there's a problem, and yet the estimates aren't falling apart in the back of it because they're, really, they're not telling you they have a problem. They're telling you that they're concerned about a million things. So in, in light of that, I think we're going to get exactly what we got in February, which is the VIX spikes up towards 20, and then over the next couple of months, you have huge outperformance. And, and that's what I think we're setting up for. So, what is huge outperformance in your view? S&P 3000? Is, yeah, is that your 12 month? That, yeah, so I think if you look between now and the end of the year, we're probably looking at five, six, 7% um, returns on stocks. And then I think you get back onto a positive trend next year. And, and I think who is it who was saying that the economic data is slowing? Yeah. I think that's the, the, the big story for next year. It's not slowing towards a recession, it's just that we're losing some of the stimulus that we've had, and I think it's going to be fine, but I think while people are transitioning from this hyperspeed to something more normal, it's going to freak people out But when
5: bit. does it worry you? When, when does that slowing and when does that investor sentiment worry you that it's something bigger?
6: When is when a risk that it's actually a recession? I mean, the truth is, is that we're not a 3% economy anymore. We just don't have the underlying demographics. We're a two to two and a half economy. We've been running hot. It'll slow down a little bit. I think that uh, by the time we get towards the middle of next year, no one's going to care that we're running a little bit slower.
3: Jonathan, let me ask you, are there particular industries that have been hurt the hardest that you think will bounce back the hardest, or different rotation coming out than how it went down?
6: Yeah, I think there's a couple of things. I mean, first, I-, I love tech, and I think that the the issue with why these... MAGA names are, are doing so well, it's all fundamentals. It's not a re-rating story. I mean, it's, it's sales growth, and the addressable markets are huge. I think that what could be sloppy as we get into next year on this theme of weaker e- economics, industrials, materials that need the, ec- the economy to drive it, You know, they're okay now, but at some point they're going to take on water.
2: Two two things, two headwinds I see. Midterm elections, potentially. The president has actually said, you know, if you don't vote for Republicans, your beautiful 401ks are not going to look so beautiful. I'm paraphrasing. And the fact that everybody seems to think a deal will get done with China, I think we're probably as wide as we've been since all the chatter started.
6: Yeah, I mean, let's take a look at these uh, one at a time. As far as the midterms are, are concerned, the market's already discounting that Democrats take the House and that nothing happens in the Senate, that this doesn't really threaten the presidency or the policies, and it doesn't matter very much. On the other hand, if you had a Democratic sweep, it would have to be a big sweep to really threaten the presidency. And that's what really, uh, you know, that's where the chatter is. So it's probably more noise than anything else. With respect to China, I think maybe if we step back, I think the big issue is this is probably a fight worth fighting. I mean, we. We have a raw deal on a whole variety of trade issues. No one's wanted to, you know, get their hands dirty. Um it's a fight you worth know, fighting? Because you still think the S and P 500 will go higher. I mean, you're still, you're still no, saying no, no, S&P but 3, no. But 000. I don't listen. Do I think that if we if we end up in a full blown trade war, it's a disaster? I just don't think that we will. And I think at the end of the day we're probably better off for having, uh, for having gone this way.
4: Are, are you concerned, though, back to the MAGA stocks, that they represent a disproportionate amount of S&P earnings growth next year? I mean, really, there's a lot of the, the, the indexes, valuation is embedded in this small group of stocks that make up $3.5 yeah. trillion dollars in market cap that are up dramatically year over year.
6: Right, so I, so let, let's if you look into three pieces, they're 30-plus, if you look at tech broadly defined, 30% of the S&P overall. Yeah. If you look at the earnings, well over 20%. If you look at the revenues, 14%. And these are companies that what they really have going for them is that they're growing their, their revenue line you know like a weed and the margin is strong. But here, here,
4: this is really important, yeah. Jonathan. We saw Facebook's estimates, earnings estimates for 2019, like a 20% chop. Your analyst did it last week, okay? When you think about that, what's being taken out of the market, people forget that Amazon, Facebook, uh, these are very cyclical advertising, very cyclical business, right? Uh, with Google too. So I just think it's this foregone conclusion that they will continue to grow at 25% a year um, and, I, and I'm not saying
6: they're going to they're yeah. grow 20% a year. What I am saying is I think they're going to grow faster in the market, and I think the addressable, the, the size of their markets, the amount of cloud you know, computing that's going to go on, it's just so my much My brother, bigger. what is that
4: saying? The S&P is up 3% this year. Those right. four stocks make up 15% this, of the S&P, and they're up year. massively.
6: But every year. Not to is, this extent. But extent. the issue is, is that it's that the fast growers happen to also be very large companies. If you look at, you know, the, the the breadth of the market behavior isn't so, such a problem. It's a fact that the individual companies that are doing well are just huge. We've never we've never seen the winners be so, you know such large names. And that's and that's So
1: the what best. do you is gonna All happen right. if they become losers? I,
6: I gotta I gotta blow
1: the whistle. Last right. answer quickly <laughs> if you want to. What, what,
6: <laughs> if if they're losers because the multiple comes down, because investors what lose if each one of them have read. an idiosyncratic
4: issue the way
1: Facebook losing 30% the of its value? If the underlying earnings yeah. are a problem, you have a problem. All right. If the earnings aren't you know, okay. Thank you, Jonathan Jonathan right. Golub, Credit Suisse. He'll never come back. <laughs> He's never gonna come back. No, we'll come back. All right. Thank you. what did you do? He hate. Hey bro- did, did you? I hey know. My, no, no. It wasn't a hey brother. It was my brother. It was oh, a my know, brother. That's oh. serious business when
2: you do a my brother. Today was interesting yeah. for me, and I, I don't know if it means anything. I've been, 24 hours is not a day make, but I'll say this. The fact that the market was down and the VIX was lower today. We did something over at the, what do we call that thing, the smart, smart board? Plasma. Yeah, the smart board a week or so ago, and we said some of the things need to be in place for a market bottom. They were the markets down and the VIX is down. You saw that today, so that is an encouraging sign for the market
7: bulls out there. What did you do today? Well,
5: for me, it was all about the dollar. You, my view is that the dollar is the new VIX, so you don't even need to look at the VIX. The higher the dollar goes, the more risk in the system, and we saw that today. Dollar rose, and the stock market sold off, so I watched that over the next week.
3: Karen? I, today was day three post-URI, mm-hmm. so I bought some URI ah. calls today for January of 19. Um Dan, all dares. Well, I was just going <laughs> to give a
4: PSA a to the viewer. Just keep waiting on that Dan. one. Go hey, ahead, Dan. I, this is one other point about the dollar. Glasses. You guys see yeah. crude oil sitting right on this one-year sure. uptrend, too? Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think that when you're talking about volatility and it's just focused on a small group, there's a lot of things that are very volatile. Global equities are very volatile. Uh, you know, our treasuries have been very volatile. We're starting to see volatility in commodities. It's not just stocks.
1: Coming up, China surging back after what has been months of selling pain. And check out all the Chinese tech stocks. They were rallying. But can you trust this bounce? Plus, take a look at the cannabis camp. There's the cannabis king, Tim Seymour, getting the buzz from the Big Pot Conference happening right now in New York City as Weave Stocks seem to be burning out. He will join us live from the ground with the highlights. And later, it's not just tech stocks reporting this week. And Guy here has one under-the-radar stock. He thinks he's heading for a big breakout this earnings season. We're live from Times Square in New York City. Much more fast money right after this.
7: What does it mean to be rich? Is it
1: having more stories to share or time to give? Is it being able to keep your loved ones close or travel somewhere far away? At Edward Jones, we believe the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Your dedicated financial advisor will take a comprehensive approach to your financial strategy to help support what truly matters to you. EdwardJones.com slash find your rich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. Welcome back to Fast Money. China stocks surging back with the Shanghai Composite having its best day in more than two years, up about 4%. And Chinese Internet names topping the tape today. Check out the so-called bat stocks, stab stocks. You get the picture. Baidu, Alibaba, Tencent, Sina, all in rally mode. So can you trust the bounce in these beaten down names? I guess can you trust the bounce in general in Shanghai, too? Yeah,
5: well, listen, you have the government behind them. So at some point you knew they were going to step in. Last week we did that thing where, what are your uh, lottery ticket stocks? I think these are it. Baidu is mine. I think these are your lottery ticket stocks. Understand there's an awful lot of risk here, but at some point you have the Chinese government sitting there saying, you know what, we're no longer going to let these things go lower. Now, remember when we had our crisis in 2008, not saying that China's anything near what we had in 2008, but the government stepped in and said, no more short selling. We're going to give out loans. We're going to do all these things. That's the point we're at in China. I think the risk reward lines up really well for these. Does
1: the Chinese government have enough in their arsenal to offset the impact of a trade war. I am not I can't wax That's poetic the about question, the
2: Chinese right? arsenal, the but bigger. I'll say this, you know, the Chinese, they've absolutely said, put everything behind it, we're buying the stocks. To me, that says they're in this trade war thing for the long haul, right? Mm-hmm. They're saying now is the time, get behind us, all for one, one for all. If they were ready to make a deal, I'm not certain you'd hear this rhetoric. So I think a deal is much. Why wouldn't much, they
3: say that if they were ready to make a deal? If they
2: were ready to make a deal, why would you have to say it? is the point right? The market will take show, care of look, itself. I, make a deal. My, I guess my point is if they were ready to make a deal they wouldn't have to have this rhetoric out there because the market would take care of itself. I think they say we're in this thing, now's the time for us to sort of you know band the troops together, circle the wagons. That's the way I read it. I could be hundred percent off by the way, I typically am, but I view this more negative than positive.
1: Which one of the Stab stocks do you like? Um, well, or here's none? The thing. You know,
4: I don't agree. I, I know the commentary was like it's not just the state-owned enterprises that were behind, so that's why these stocks mm-hmm. caught a bid today. It seems like, you know, the Chinese have actually been putting their foot down with these exact names with Tencent. Some people think they forced Jack Ma Regulatory. Out. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, there's a lot I mean, of stuff. Tencent was down 40% from its highs made in March, and there were issues had nothing to do with trading. They were restricting the release of name. video game. That's right. Yeah, Nothing to do. So it seems like there may be some consumption issues possibly in China.
1: So a
5: bigger, a Possibly. bigger
1: something brewing over in China, yeah. But you're not a believer. I mean, well, I,
5: I'm talking about for a trade, right? I yeah. mean, if we have a continued trade war and China says, "Yeah, we're hunkered in," then these are not going to be any good. But for a trade, and I define a trade of sometime over the next two to three weeks or so, I think the risk reward's fine.
1: For more on China's big rally and what an escalating trade war could mean, you can head over to CNBC.com. I'm Melissa Lee. You're watching Fast Money on CNBC, first in business worldwide. In the meantime, here's what else is coming up on Fast.
5: And
8: winter is coming.
5: Yes, and winter might be here for pot stocks. The biggest players getting crushed today as they cool off after their epic rallies. And there could be one simple reason why. We'll explain. Plus, it's the busiest week of earnings season, and Guy Dami is stepping up to the plate to pitch one under-the-radar name he thinks is going to hit it out of the park. There's much more Fast Money right after this quick break.
1: This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Welcome back to Pass Money. It's been a rough ride for the transports with the group down nearly 10% in just the past month and coming off its longest weekly losing streak since the financial crisis. Sound. For more on what's behind the big sell off, let's get to our own Bob Bassani at the New York Stock Exchange. Bob.
8: Thanks, Melissa. Transforms outperformed uh, several months in the year, about, until about a month ago, when they began to underperform. Here's what's important take a look here down almost 10% in the last month compared to a 5% drop in the S&P 500. But there's big differences among the subsectors. First off, railroads have been great performers this year, with CSX and Norfolk Southern and Union Pacific all up double digits going into the month. But now they're selling off. They're down double digits in just the last month. And the truckers have generally underperformed, but have slipped further in the last month with big names like Schneider, Knight Swift, and Ryder and Werner. They're down double digits as all the packages like FedEx. So what exactly is going on here? Well, higher fuel costs are affecting the airlines. That's one factor. But outside that, the fundamentals for the transports have been really strong. Robust U.S. economic growth is the key here. There's also been very tight conditions in trucking supply, and there's been tight labor market conditions. So supply doesn't seem to be a big issue. The concern seems to be that demand might, might be slowing down. That's what Morgan Stanley thinks. Today, they downgraded the freight transportation stocks like Union Pacific, Genesee and Wyoming and Old Dominion freight based on concerns over slowing demand. They emphasize they don't see a recession, but some of their proprietary data points do indicate a modest slowdown in demand. Well, maybe, but the broad economy really remains very strong. And remember, no matter who wins the election, there is going to be attempts to pass an infrastructure bill, and that... Will certainly help transportation stocks. For the moment, let's call this a flutter that has not morphed into a full-blown panic, at least not yet. Back to you, Melissa.
1: All right, Bob, thanks. Bob Pisani at the New York Stock Exchange. Uh, airlines, Karen, got a little bit
3: of lift off of earnings. Uh-huh, but... Pun intended.
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes.
3: <laughs> they did. Actually, the airlines, uh, I think American hasn't yet reported. They'll report, I think, sometime later next week. But yeah, good numbers from Delta, United, and oil's come in a little bit. Jet fuel, obviously, is such a huge part of their business. So, And the business traveler is there and spending money. Yeah.
1: At some point, though, what you mentioned, oil, that's going to hurt, right? I mean, it's already hurting now.
4: Yeah. And let's I mean, listen, you know, these guys all have pretty active hedging programs. Um, you know, I would say, uh, again, a name like uh, FedEx is more interesting to me, down 13% of the year, had... So of stock initially popped, gave it all back, and it's much lower now. That's the, one of the largest um, components within the transportation um, industry. Those are more troubling to me. Those are the things where the warning bells are kind of screaming in silence on a lot of different names. And one of the reasons why maybe I got a little animated before is we have strategist after strategist who comes on, and everything's rosy, and everyone's going to get to their $3,200 S&P price targets sooner than later. But there's a lot of stuff going on, and all the components that make it up, other than a handful of stocks, that are really troubling
1: silently screaming warning bells. Yeah. It sounds yeah. like a Halloween yeah, it movie, does
2: right? I mean, <laughs> you know, what we need at this point in the show yeah. is somebody that could sort of look at charts and break it oh, down. Really?
1: Like a, really? like a oh, Like oh, a chartist, so like the last a chart Like a chart master? No, my <laughs>
2: favorite is Carter Worth. Oh.
1: He'd be oh, great if he were here. That what? would be nice
5: if he could show up. Maybe
1: we should bring in Carter Worth. He says that oh. the trouble in transports may be <laughs> well, far from man. over, and it could spell more trouble for the markets. Look, call, oh, look who's here, Carter Worth. A cornerstone macro. Carter.
9: Thank you for that. Uh, yes, poof, here I am. Um, so uh, I thought we'd actually expand a little bit. Uh, the transports, of course, is a 20-stock index, and it's price-weighted, dominated by UPS, FedEx, uh, and the rails. Um, the S&P 500 industrial sector, broader, 60-plus stocks, dominated by Boeing and Caterpillar. But wanted to show you, the correlation is almost uh, 95%. This is the XLI versus the Dow Jones transportation. So I thought we'd look at the transportation average at the end, but first talk about the sector overall. So you can see quite clearly, I mean, literally the same percentage change over the past five years. Let's draw some lines on the XLI itself. Now, one way surely at the bottom, one could say that that's something of a head and shoulders bottom and quite a move it was. A topping formation is this, a double top. So just as that was a bottoming formation, you could have called it a double bottom. This is a double top. It has all the reciprocal uh, implications. If we clear that, you've also got a very well-defined trend and a break in trend. And this recovery, importantly, got simply right back to the underbelly of the line, which then puts our double top back in play. And of course, right there, right there exactly, fails dramatically. Moving on. So now, and this is really the issue. This was the supposed narrative on the street. You wanted to be overweight financials and industrials because of regulatory reform, tax cuts, um, synchronized global growth. Um, and guess what? On the top, industrials. On the bottom, relative performance. Look at these two circles I've got here. What this is is the day before the election and then basically a month ago. All of the alphas undone. And remember, that's not adjusted for beta or risk. So it's been nothing but a disaster, frankly. A risk-embracing endeavor simply to keep pace with the market, but with volatility. The Dow Jones Transportation Average. This is a 15-year chart. Look at these drawdowns. Now, this, of course, is the financial crisis. We dropped 61%. But this is a a so-called bull market over the past um, 10 years. We dropped 20%. We dropped 30. In 15-16, we dropped 31. We've dropped 14 And this recent sell-off is 11. You can drop 30% and still be, quote, in a bull market. So let's pull it back to the final chart or two. This is the big drop, 61% in the financial crisis. This was the fixed 15-16 drop. What if we simply were to do a 25? We're down already, already 11. Well, watch this. The chart itself, if we were to go to 25, that would leave us exactly at the trend line as we've done before and it quote wouldn't even be a bear market it would just be another 10% from here. I think industrials have got problems, the price action is poor and the transports are effectively industrials. In fact all of them are in the sector.
1: Come on over Carter. Stephanie will bring the
2: chair in. Thank you Stephanie. Thanks, Stephanie. I don't even I'm, I'm yeah. over I don't now. even look your way anymore.
1: <laughs> I just decide. So is it your is it your thesis, your belief that we are still in an uptrend, even if we do see a substantial pullback?
9: Well, so we in know the we're transports. down 11%, 12% from right. the high. We know the Russell uh, 2000 growth is down 13 14 and we know certain stocks are down 30, 40% square. Uh, one of the m- best performing stocks, bar none, is down almost 40% from its peak. So it's case by case, but the, the issue is this that we've had bifurcation for a while, which is industrials and financials were underperforming. As more and more money was clustering into, idiosyncratic growth. And now, of course, what's happening is bifurcation is hoped to be resolved by the strong continuing and the weak catching up. It's never been resolved that way. It gets resolved like this. The weak have the final puke. We're seeing that from Ford Motor to housing and the strong roll. And that's where we're in the process that now we've we have great earnings from Adobe and Netflix. What do they do? They do nothing but go down.
1: Are are we in a position where we could see the broader markets continue an uptrend without the participation of the industrials, without transports, with the lousy trading of financials? Not really.
9: I mean, there's not much precedent for the equity market in general to be advancing importantly with marquee investment banks and brokers basically collapsing. And you've got. Things like BlackRock down 38 40%. Goldman Sachs, Morgan Stanley, the banks, you see the action. Of course, that's not the setup that suggests, hey, we're about to just take off to the upside.
2: You know, in my childhood, when the Morgans and the Vanderbilts and the Mellons (laughs) transports were very important, the Dow theory came. Does Does the Dow theory still hold water in an environment where they're not nearly as important as they were Right, I mean, years down ago. theory
9: is a confirmation concept, right? That things have to get hauled or trucked around, and that if the goods and the services, sort of the things that go clunk at the night, are not confirming, or vice versa, the industrial average, that you have a dispersion or diverse that will lead to trouble. What we really had this time was this that only two sectors made new highs in September and August. So the thought is the market made the new high, it never did. I mean, that's an optical illusion. The fact that we made new highs in August, September in the S&P, while well, only two sectors could, while well, the New York Stock Exchange never could, while well, the CAC Caron never could, the DAX, basically, that's the bull trap. That's the, that's the sort of dispersion that ends up setting the trouble that we've got
1: now. So here to the end of the year, Carter, just roughly, I mean, what do you see in the charts? Do you think we finish higher or lower from where we would, are in the S&P?
9: I would think lower. I, lower I would think here. that the By numbers the would have to be perfect just to stay where we are. If there's any trouble in the numbers, I can only think lower.
1: All right, Carter, thank you. Thank you. Carter Braxton of Cornerstone Macro. Coming up, pot stocks getting smoked. Tilray, Canopy, Kronos, Aurora sinking as much as 15% today. We'll tell you what's behind this move. Plus, it is the busiest week for earnings. And Guy here has one name that he says can jolt higher following its report. Yes, that's a hint. The name when Fast Money returns. Welcome back to Fast Money. We have officially entered the busiest week for earnings with 30% of the S&P 500 reporting. So which name should you watch out for? Dom choose in the newsroom breaking it all down. Hey, Dom.
7: Well, Melissa, just about everyone who cares about markets will care a lot more this week given the number of earnings stories that will be scrutinized. We've got around 150 S&P 500 companies reporting their results, making it the busiest week of the season. Ten of those stocks are actually components of the Dow Jones Industrial Average and then buckle up for Thursday because that will be the single busiest day of reports with around 66 companies in the S&P posting their results either before the open or after the closing bell. While the initial string of earnings reports over the past week or so have been focused mainly on the big banks, this week is going to provide a wider spectrum of industries and sectors. Looking for a take on, say, the global economy and the construction biz? Well, Caterpillar reports on Tuesday. Well, how about the state of big-ticket consumer spending? Ford Motor reports on Wednesday. What about communications and retail? Amazon, Alphabet, Twitter, all on the docket Thursday. What about those consumer staple stocks? Colgate-Palmolive is on Friday. This is also the week where some of the big healthcare names like Alexian Pharma and Vertex Pharma will report on Wednesday. And then you got Bristol Myers, Merck and Celgene reporting on Thursday. One of the big themes to watch will be whether or not traders and investors use these earnings reports as a reason to add to positions or reduce them. According to data from Bespoke Investment Group, through the end of last week, the average one-day stock move for companies reporting results has been down by around seven-tenths of a percent on average. Now, Melissa, that marks the first Time in five quarters where the average one day move in reaction to earnings has been negative. We'll get a much better sense of whether that sell the news mentality holds after this week is over. Back over to you guys.
1: All right, Dom, thanks. Dom Chu in the newsroom. So let's trade some of these names. Which ones are you watching, Karen?
3: Well, al- Alphabet for me, the biggest for sure. I mean, I. I don't know that it's as Alphabet goes, so goes tech. I don't really know that that's the case. But I'm just hoping that the bar has been set low enough. I mean, if you knew nothing about the history of, this, uh, of this, where the stock is traded and this pu- company just came public today, right, with this kind of model, with these kinds of margins, with this kind of growth, it would be trading substantially higher than where it is now. Yeah.
5: Which one for you? Uh, you know, I think you look at the big industrial, your CAT tractors, your Triple M's. That's what you want to find out, if there actually is weakness in the global economy, weakness that the market's already telling you, already trying to price in. You'll see it in these earnings.
4: I agree on the CAT. CAT was 162 weeks ago. It was 130 today. UTX making new 52-week lows reports later this week. I think the staples are important, especially after that huge move uh, out of Procter last week. Colgate, I think, is later in the week. So I think what's most important is, you know, the news isn't going to be horrible in any one of these names, but if it's good, it better react positively.
1: All right. Also reporting this week, some of the fast-food stocks. McDonald's is tomorrow before the bell. Chipotle and Dunkin' are out Thursday, and Guy says one of these names is about to break out. So why don't you head over to the plasma? And I'm going to get out, out of
2: my chair. I'm going to head over yeah. to the smart board, and I'm going to make a quick move towards the... See that news? <laughs> <laughs> so, so
1: mean. That's not <laughs> mean. I'm going to go
2: over... It. We're going to fast-pitch something, and you mentioned one of those names, and... You know, America does run on Dunkin'. No longer Dunkin' Donuts. It's just Dunkin'. Here's why. Dave Hoffman, the new CEO, came in in July. Blueprint for growth. That blueprint is working, no doubt about it. Take a look at the comps improving, especially in the United States. Comps were up, I think, 1.4% last quarter. Street was looking for a lot less than that. Something's working at Dunkin'. Outperforming competitors. Dunkin' DNKN is up 30% this year, far outperforming Starbucks and McDonald's. One might say their biggest rivals. The stock is rallying for a reason. Now, I can't sell you Dunkin' on valuation because it's 24 times next year's earnings, it's expensive. question is, will they grow into it? I say they may. Last one, name change. I know it sounds ridiculous, but it was long overdue. We're a healthy society. Despite what Dan Nathan says, we're eating better. We're doing things better. We're not eating those crazy donuts anymore. Lose donuts. Donuts loss is a good thing. They've also simplified their menu. For all those reasons, into earnings, I think you'll see an upside surprise. I think analysts are behind the curve, and I think the stock goes higher. Let's just throw up a chart real quick to show you the performance of which I was speaking. This is not a bad little trend line to the upside, traded back down, held. I think we'll stay in this little bit of a channel, and I think we're going to test this level up here, which is, I don't know, 80 bucks, give or take. Questions?
1: Dan has a question. Uh,
2: I do, guy. And, and the kids today, we do love donuts still,
4: okay? And uh, you know, it's not a carb thing. Um, here's the thing: uh, there's been a lot of there's been a lot of um, activists in these restaurant things. This name. Interesting as an activist, $6 billion market cap, $8 billion enterprise value.
2: I, don't, I mean, I don't know why activists would get around this one. It's not like it's underperformed. The valuation is rich. I'm not sure necessarily an activist would come in. Maybe if they miss terribly and I get fast-fired two weeks from now and the stock is trading down here, maybe Uncle Carl somebody will come in. But I don't see that happening. So, gee,
3: Mel, nice uh, Karen, Sorry. What, what, compare it to Starbucks, I mean, that's come down a lot. How do you look at those two versus each other right now?
2: I think I think the difference is, Dunkin' has made the user experience a lot easier, and Starbucks, you walk in there, you're overwhelmed by the whole thing. I think just speaking for myself, the user experience is so much easier at Dunkin' as opposed to Starbucks, which is why I think, look, does it deserve the valuation it has? I don't know, but I think Starbucks, given their growth, is more expensive than Dunkin', given theirs. All right,
1: no more questions. Oh, look at that.
2: Look at that. I didn't even bring that chart up. That's a fantastic-looking thing. Like they read your mind. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway.
1: All right, no more questions. Time to vote. Are you buying guys, pitch? On Duncan, D.N.K.N., Dan, what do you say? Yeah, so
4: I would say, listen, that was a great presentation. I don't think you have to buy anything in this earnings cycle before earnings. I think you wait, and I think you use a 70 stop. I like the consolidation. I like the new management. And the valuation relative to growth makes sense, and I love donuts.
5: D.K.? You know what? I'm going to go just the opposite, and I say you sell these things. And the reason why is all these restaurant companies get priced for this extraordinary growth, and then all of a sudden they miss, and they get destroyed. And I feel like Duncan could be there. The risk-reward isn't there. I still like the donuts as well. I prefer those crullers, though. They're delicious.
3: Crulla. Karen. Well, I'm right in the middle. Lukewarm on Dunkin' mm-hmm. with the little guy running. I just, you know, the, I'm a valuation. You know, you, you lost me at valuations expensive. All right. Two sales, <laughs> one so. buy.
1: Two sales, one buy, Guy. Not too bad. Yeah. Just don't look at Twitter right now because the <laughs> poll is terrible. This <laughs> leads me Tony to the poll. Tony vote fast money. So, so they vote um, no, just to vote um, no. I could pitch puppy dogs There is still time to vote. We will reveal the results later on in the show. Plus, weed stocks going up in smoke today with a number of names sinking double digits. Is this the beginning of the pot apocalypse? Tim yeah. Seymour is at the Cannabis Camp joining us from one of the biggest marijuana investor conferences in New York City. Hey Tim.
0: Hey, Mel, really amazing day here. Look at the crowd here. Very big event. Some exciting developments in the sector that we're going to talk about when we come back on Fast Money after the break.
1: Welcome back to Fast Money. Pot stocks getting absolutely smoked today with the biggest names plunging across the board. But despite the hit, there's <laughs> There's no doubt Good. that the cannabis craze is still red hot. Some of the biggest investors and players in the space are at a key conference going on right now in New York City. And our very own cannabis king, Tim Seymour, is on site at the IC3 Institutional Capital and Cannabis Conference, fresh off moderating a panel. And, Tim, you have to mention your disclosures. Long a number of pot stocks also sit on the advisory boards for three cannabis companies. You can check out uh, Tim's disclosures on our website. In the meantime, Tim, give us the lowdown of the conference.
0: Yeah. So, Mel, and by the way, this is really an institutional profile. The, the the crowd here is extremely institutional, tells you the sophistication of this sector very quickly, but some key bullet points. Bottom line, there are catalysts. We talked about the political front, but there are state catalysts. There are federal catalysts that I think you can be looking at in the near term. Ultimately, there's there's just innovation that's going on and no different than any other sector. Technology is running rampant in this sector, whether it's food processing or different parts of the pick your vertical. It's all happening. Those people are here. And we've seen this happen in other industries and other countries at other times. And finally, the the whole consolidation in the sector is alive and well. There will be deals. U.S. companies are doing deals with each other. Canadian companies are buying U.S. companies. So there's a lot to talk about in that sector. In fact, we had a very interesting interview with Micah Tapman of Canopy Ventures, which I want you to listen to, that gives you some overview of the investor trends. Take a listen.
9: There's terrific value in the U.S. I think the Canadian market is overheated right now, but, hey, it's not trading on fundamentals, and I'm sort of a quantitative guy. California, $3 billion. Uh, They were at zero on January 1, and $3 billion right now. Colorado is $1.5 billion. Uh, We only have 5 million people in Colorado. So this market is booming. Uh, Where it's going in the future is hard to predict. What I will say is it's going up. And, again, if you're not in now, you're going to be paying more later. And more later.
1: Yep. <laughs> uh, it sounds like somebody's trying to justify the valuations right now. I mean, even you are skeptical of valuations currently, though.
0: I think in the private companies, you're actually seeing a, a case where there is some discrimination in terms of good companies, good management, good balance sheets, and what people will actually pay. Capital is certainly more expensive in the private sector.
1: Yep. Um, in terms of products, Tim, what sorts of products are these uh, companies expanding <laughs> into?
0: It's funny you say that, Mel, because as I've been walking around here, there's all kinds of high-end products. Um, This is some kind of a vape pen that ultimately is a puff pen It fits in your pocket. Very very high-end, very slick. Uh, This company is certainly one of the high-end players in the sector. Uh, They're selling flour. They're not selling it here. It's not in here because we'd be breaking state laws. But bottom line is very advanced branding. Guy these are chocolates that get you in the mood just in case, you know. Sometimes you need a little extra help, Um, not that I would presume you do, but again, chocolates, edibles, all kinds of stuff. Bottom line here, there's a product for every vertical the consumer could look for in the cannabis space. All right. Sorry, Guy. Tim, thanks.
1: Tim Seymour. Thank you. At the IC3 uh, investing conference. What does this feel like to you? Does this feel like a bubble? or is Well, this that investable? guy sounded
4: like a Bitcoin guy from 2017. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Better get in now. Or yeah, you're it's I mean? only going to go higher. Yeah. You're only yeah. going to pay more I, later. Listen, I
4: think what's really interesting, I think Tim mentioned state laws. You know, what, what happened in Canada is a federal thing. I think we're a long ways off from federal here in the U.S., so it's going to continue to be a very disjointed uh, market. When you go to a co- uh, conference like that and you actually can't pick up the product and stuff, you got a little bit of a problem, in my opinion.
1: So therefore, the valuations are like. I
4: want out. to go to the conference in Colorado, in California, <laughs> <laughs> maybe up in Toronto, you know?
1: Uruguay, yeah. Canada. Try yeah. 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 it out. Yeah. All right. Still ahead. Hasbro getting crushed today following its earnings report. The company's CEO discussing the decline with Mad Money's Jim Cramer just moments ago. We will bring you those comments. We are live at the Nasdaq Market Site in Times Square. Much more fast money still ahead. Welcome back to Fast Money. The broken toy story continues. Shares of Hasbro falling after attorney's report. Our very own Jim Cramer sat down with CEO Ryan Goldner in an interview to discuss the results. Take a listen.
5: We're first launching a Monopoly Fortnite. Uh, thus far, it was the number one new item in the games category just in the first week of the fourth quarter. And then for the spring, we have Nerf Overwatch coming where you get to play the game for real, live, uh, obviously making great blasters and role play so you can play as your favorite character. And then That will follow with Nerf Fortnite, which comes both uh, in the first half of 2019. So it's very exciting. You get to jump out of the game and play for real.
1: Nerf Overwatch, Nerf Fortnite. Can innovation like that save them? Or is there more pain ahead for these broken toy stocks? And a big problem, of course, the Toys R Us liquidation. Yes. That's been a problem all year.
3: That's been a problem all year. And he said it's going to continue to be a problem for a couple of quarters. So that's not so good. Trouble with My Little Pony. And Transformers, those I mean, continue. Yeah. So I see this, well, you know, trying to evolve in the game business. BK hasn't bought a pony in a long he time. Hasn't I, well, a pony. I have the
5: whole collection, so it's, there's really <laughs> nothing left for me to buy.
3: Right? And but, how many BKs are out there with the whole right, collection? Right, exactly. We,
5: they, we have a club, we're called Bronies, the boys' club. But anyway, I would take a look at Hasbro. The problem is exactly what the CEO said. right? He said, You're going to jump out of the game and play. Nobody wants to jump out of the game, everybody wants to stay in the game. So I don't think these work.
2: Yeah. Margins are getting crushed. They missed EPS by 8%, I think. I mean, revenues are down. And you want to say all those things, they'll figure it out. Valuation is still too rich. They trade mm-hmm. close to 18 and a half times forward earnings. So there's no compelling reason, in my opinion, to go Fortnite notwithstanding and Nerf, role play Nerf, and all Fortnite, those great Nerf things. Overwatch?
1: Overwatch. We'll see how well that I'd does. stay away. Swizzle I- stays away. For the whole interview and much more, be sure to check out Mad Money with Jim Cramer. That's at the top of the hour. Well, rival toy maker Mattel also set to report earnings this week. So, Dan, why don't you break down the action for us? Yeah,
4: so uh, in Mattel, Thursday after the close, um, the options market is implying about a 10% move in either direction. Just think about Hasbro today. It closed down a few percent, but at one point it was down uh, almost 10% uh, in the pre-market. Closed okay. Um, You know, there was a bullish trade today that caught my eye. 5,000 of the November 9th weekly 15 calls were bought to open for 48 cents. Those break even at 1548 on November 9th. Uh, close, that's up about 10% in line with the implied move. You know, it's really interesting. Take a look at this name. Um, it is down 8% on the year. It's down more than 20% from its 52 week highs. We have a one year chart. When you look at it right there, eh, it looks like it's consolidating a little bit. Maybe you get a little pop on some decent news. Look at the 10 year chart of this thing, it's down 70%. From the 2014 highs, that consolidation looks almost like, you know, you just got there for the death rattle a little bit. So if you're looking to play the earnings, I think defining your risk through calls. And I want to make one point, Guy, when you were a kid, what did you guys play with toys like rocks and sticks (laughs) and stuff like that? Like, yeah.
1: What do you know
2: about Fortnite?
1: (laughs) He reads about it. We'd go
2: outside Uh, and have good um,
1: old-fashioned fun, Mel. Slingshot. Yeah, bummer. More more options action. Check out the full show Friday, 5.30 p.m. Eastern time. Up next... Final trades. Do you know how Guy Dami likes to spend his mornings? How Mel sipping on coffee. And listening to Celine Dion's all by myself, because he was all by myself on his pitch, he got crushed in the poll. Nearly 80% on Twitter said no to D-N-K-N. NO to wow. D-N-K-N. Final the
5: enthusiasm th- is...
1: <laughs> final great time. We hardly ever hear
5: Celine. Yeah, today. so if
4: the U.S. dollar keeps going up, like BK says, I think you sell the XOP.
5: Speakers. So a lot of the bond proxies have gotten killed. XLU has actually done all right. I think you sell that one.
3: Sure. Yeah, URI calls... They have November or December 11th, Investor Day. I think they'll say some
2: good things. Duncan brands in your face. (laughs) (laughs) That
1: doesn't work here on FASCY tomorrow at 5. Mad Money starts right now.
6: You seek the key. But first, you must learn the ways of precision,
2: craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system up to a 313-mile range, and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful
3: SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today.